Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. I just got back from a conference, and um, and I end up and I spoke with tons of people in the healthcare industry, and. And so I had this kind of conversation a bunch of times, and and um, and so felt like I'd share it with you here. And and that is that um, I am unabashedly um, displeased with the state of our healthcare system. I think our healthcare system is in pretty bad shape, and uh, and it's evidenced by um, the existence of most of the vendors um, at the conference I was at. Most of the vendors. And and none of these people are bad people. They're all wonderful people. But 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 the most of the vendors at this conference were um, in a business called Revenue Cycle Management. Um, a lot of folks in collections and billing. And um, and the thing that you learn when you start kind of digging under the surface is that um, this is the only way that you know physicians uh, can get paid anymore is if they have this whole administrative army of people to keep up with all the different regulations that come out every five minutes um, around uh, how they bill, what they can bill, um, how they can collect, who they can collect from, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and, and just the whole industry, the whole industry of healthcare is um, about as far from a free market system as I can imagine a system being. And so there, there's one point I, I like to make is that <clears throat> is that it's a false dichotomy to uh, talk about the free market healthcare as, and uh, socialized medicine as if uh, what we have today is free market. We have we have something um, utterly and completely divorced from virtually any and all uh, principles of the free market. Um, we have a system that is that is completely um, constricted by regulation. Um, we have removed the buyers, um, the, pa- the patients from the decision-making process. Um, the, the buyers, the patients have, uh, are, are not the buyers. The patients, uh, the users of the service um, are patients and the buyers are third-party insurance companies, um, more than half of which I think in the healthcare system today is, is the government. It's, it's Medicare, Medicaid. And the whole thing is wildly regulated. Um, and then you have these huge companies. I mean, we I, I met with a company this this week who's being acquired by United Health, who we all know is a massive insurance company, but they also own Optum, which also owns um, you know Sound Physicians, a huge um, physician you know uh, contract management group. So they employ the physicians at at thousands of hospitals. Um, have thousands and thousands of, of, uh, of providers that work for them. So under the same umbrella, you know, uh, insurance, uh, the, the, the payer, uh, the, the customer, and the, the physicians um, are owned also by the same company. Interesting. Um, and then the, you also have uh, the same group owns uh, hospitals. Um, they've purchased lots of hospitals and hospital systems. Um, and uh, they're also trying to acquire a big billing uh, and practice management company. So, so they really are. It's like um, the only person in the whole picture that's not owned by 
this big corporation as the patient. Um, and that seems interesting. Um, does not seem anything like a, a free market exchange of goods and services. So, so it's um, you know, it's a it's a big topic. There's a lot to talk about. Um, but you know, um, I talk about this actually a lot on my on my podcast uh, that I have with my company Sycamore. It's called Branch Out with Sycamore. I'll, I'll put a link below where I where I talk with physicians about their experience. And I and I encourage you to check it out because. You don't need to take this from me. You can hear this from the mouths of physicians. Um, physicians in today's healthcare system are chewed up and spit out. And um, and the reality is is that um, a society doesn't you know we, we can't operate as a as a first world society without physicians um, without medical care. It's just not a it's not a luxury. It's it's a necessity. And um, and it used to be that we that the whole hospital system, the whole medical system served um, to support this sacred work this of, of physicians caring for patients. And, um, and it, that, that has almost completely been reversed in the last 20 years. So that, so it used to be that the entire healthcare system, the entire hospital, all of the staff, the nurses, the administration, that they all existed to serve and support the work, the sacred work of the physician and his um, and his or her um, calling to heal patients, to care for patients. Um, I've, I've talked about this elsewhere that, that the, uh, the three original professions, the only three original professions were, were clergy, uh, legal uh, professions and, and medical professions, and the idea was that you know these three um, types of of um, professions are professing some ultimate truth, um, and it's a it's a very high calling. It's a very high responsibility. You, if you lie to people about, um, or if you're corrupted um, by profit motive uh, with respect to um, the law as a as a lawyer or a judge. Then um, you can you can completely change somebody's life. You can you can they can end up in prison or or killed you know uh, through capital punishment. Um, if you lie uh, or are motivated by profit as a as a, uh, a prophet or a a, a, a preacher or a, a clergy member, um, again there's eternal consequences at stake, and and uh, this is not something we want. Um, to, to happen, and, and then and then the same is true in healthcare. That that if somebody becomes profit motivated in, in as a physician, um, they can. Um, we don't want that because you can you can um, you have uh, this unfair sort of lever. It's life or death, and you can suggest treatments um, that people don't need because they trust you. You're wearing the white coat, and um, and and we know. Um, that you've taken the Hippocratic oath to do no harm, um, and that you view your your calling as sacred. The problem is that <clears throat> we've abandoned that whole idea. Um, we've given up on the idea of, of healthcare being sacred, um, and and we've we've uh, abandoned the idea that, that that we should remove a profit motive from from medicine. Um, but we haven't, you know. Um, but we also um, we've kept this. This uh, we've kept the Hippocratic oath. So physicians are the only players in this whole thing that um, have actually promised to do no harm. 
um, the the pharmaceutical companies, the um, the hospitals, the hospital administration, the CEOs of hospitals, um, you know, all of the device manufacturers, all of the different service providers that you know, and everybody in that whole chain, um, they're all in it to make a to make a living, to, and they have they have this fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to make as much money as they can. You know, that's part of their job. And so you've got this tension, and you've got this physician, you've got physicians who report to and are directly influenced, completely influenced and educated by all of these people. And so um, they're in a very precarious situation. And if you don't know about physician burnout, uh, you should you should read into it if you, if you care. Um, it's a big deal. Physicians are burning out at incredibly high rates. And... Um, and it's not getting better. And they're not getting burned out because their job is too hard. They're getting burned out because of what's called moral injury, which is a term that was coined um, uh, after after Vietnam and, and dealing with vets who weren't responding to um, PTSD treatment. Um, and and the, the common thread was that they, they not only were traumatized by the things they saw and the things they, they experienced, but they are also um, could not um, get any... Uh, relief uh, in their conscience for the things that they did that they felt were were wrong that they were asked to do that they were expected to do uh, but they felt were morally wrong and that's where we're at in healthcare right now is we've got physicians um, who feel um, who feel like um, they're being asked constantly to do things that they don't agree with um, the other aspect of it is that physicians you know uh, instead of being at the top of, of this whole, institution that's that's supposedly about patient care um, they're at the bottom they they take the biggest risk of anybody in the industry so a CEO if they get fired can go find another CEO job or some other job doing sales or whatever um, a nurse um, a uh, you know any, anybody in administration pharmaceutical sales rep just go on down the line everybody in the industry has uh, great job prospects um, outside of outside of um, their particular job, but a physician um, can lose their license uh, for just about anything, and uh, and so th- this is hanging over their head constantly. And we live in this incredibly litigious society that sues uh, like crazy. The Me Too movement um, has 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 uh, impacted that. Um, there's there's been a lot of states that have been trying to uh, to rein in medical malpractice cases, but. But like I said, it's not just medical malpractice. It's it's um, it's uh, um, discrimination and uh, sexual harassment. And and look, I'm not saying that those things don't happen and shouldn't be um, punished when they do. But but um, a physician, you know, um, can you know, loses their license or has their license suspended just for being accused of of these things. And that happens um, in other industries. Um, but but most physicians in the in the country today have, are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt um, because they felt this calling um, to, to be a physician and worked their butts off for a long long time put a lot of life on hold uh, family plans and and all of that stuff so that they could pr- pursue this career um, and uh, and they I, I mean I've heard physicians that have Seven, you graduate with seven hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, and the day that they graduate, the they have to start paying 
have to start paying it back. And the only way they're going to pay that off in any sort of reasonable time is if they make a ton of money. Um, and that that um, that wage is is not growing uh, anywhere near the rate of the growth of the cost of healthcare. Um, physicians, providers in general, their their wages are uh, are just a, have have become a smaller you know smaller and smaller and smaller percentage of the overall cost of healthcare in America. Um, and so while their wages are just barely keeping up with inflation, if that um, administrators, um, all of these people I've already talked about, they're, they're all um, becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger piece of the pie. So all of that to say, um, you know, I could talk about this all day. There's about 25 other things I'd like to say about it. But I would like to encourage um, people to think about this because this affects all of us. This isn't like... Um, you know, the, the, this isn't like other issues. I, I think this really does affect all of us. We're losing doctors. They're retiring earlier and earlier. Um, uh, the suicide rate amongst doctors in general is higher than the general population. And then, I, you know, I work in the, uh, I work with emergency medicine physicians, and they have the highest uh, suicide rate of all of the, the specialties. Um, and this, you know, when when your loved one gets in a car accident, you want a board certified emergency medicine physician uh, who who is not struggling with mental health um, to to be waiting at the hospital to take care of you um, because it's a matter of minutes and seconds um, when the when these life and death um, procedures are are performed and decisions are made and we have to we have to prioritize that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, I think uh, you hear a lot of physicians. I hear some physicians talking about, well, we need to unionize, and I just want to, you know, disabuse you of of those notions. That's a ridiculously terrible idea. Um, we're in this mess because of the AMA, which was supposed to represent um, represent physicians. They they led the charge behind getting insurance involved in healthcare. Which is which is all eventually led us to where we are today. That's not the solution. Um, never has been. You know, unions um, do the exact same thing that corporations do. They, they pursue power. Um, it's it's the few pursuing power, and so that's not going to be the solution. The solution is going to be building alternative structures, and it's going to take entrepreneurs. It's going to take risk takers. I'd like to uh, I'd like to give a shout out to some heroes. I actually have a business card here. Let me grab it. Um, these guys, uh, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, um, these guys are heroes. Um, I, I think what they're doing there in Oklahoma is uh, incredible. They started the Free Market Medical Association cash pay um, surgery. So you go to their website and there's like a picture of a human body with a bunch of dots on it. You can click on one of those dots and get a drop down menu of all the different procedures you can receive and it's got a dollar amount. It's got the cost down to the dollar and they don't take any insurance. They just take cash. Uh, they do financing so you can pay as you go. It's wildly cheaper than you know, go price it out. Go ask five or six hospitals what their price. If they'll give you one, which they probably won't, their prices will fluctuate wildly. I mean, you, you can add zeros uh, from one price to another. I mean, you're going to get wild fluctuations. I've seen studies where this has been done for for common things like like uh, you know, like, like childbirth, and it's just insane, you know, the fluctuation. It's um, you know, it's it's all a game. You know, what 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 
what hospitals charge for procedures. It's they know that the one thing they know for sure is that insurance isn't going to pay. Um, they're they're not going to pay what they ask. Um, if they do, that's a rare rare exception. Generally, they're not going to pay what they ask. They're going to pay a fraction of that. It's going to take um, a lot of back and forth, a lot of arguing. Um, arbitration is very very common. Lawsuits are now common. That's become a standard thing. I talked to a service provider this week whose whole thing is, out, you know, what we do for all the unpaid. All the unpaid bills from insurance is we we bundle them up into a class action lawsuit and we sue to get your money. And it's like, that's the world we live in. You know, uh, these payers just don't pay. Um, we're all paying, by the way. We're all dutifully paying our premiums every month. Um, you know, and, and again, we're not paying. It's it's part of our, usually it's part of our benefits package, so we don't even notice it. Uh, but money is going out every single month. Significant money for most of us. It's a significant portion of our income is heading out the door to cover our insurance, which doesn't ultimately want to pay for the procedures. Uh, you know, again, the hospitals inflate the prices because they know they're not going to get what they're asking. It's just a game, and it, and it, and it's and it compounds the need for more and more people to be involved in, in sorting this out and fighting, and and uh, and it's a cat and mouse. So these guys in Oklahoma, uh, it's just cash, and. Uh, and you know, if you've got a, a medical cost-sharing type of insurance, um, that's a great solution. I know probably all of them work with the surgery center. Um, a lot of employer-funded uh, plans. So that's so you may have a Blue Cross Blue Shield card, but a lot of if you work for a really big employer, there's a good chance that they're actually funding their own plan, which means they're making the decisions about who's in network and out of network and what things they pay for and all of that. And so if you do, um, a lot of those now work with the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, even, you know, in New York City and California and all over the country. Um, and they've even become kind of a clearinghouse to where sometimes an employer reaches out to them asking for a procedure and they, ended up, they end up calling the hospital and saying, hey, we'll pay you cash this amount uh, immediately when you perform this procedure for this patient of ours. Do you want the case? And... And more often than not, it's like, wait, you're saying I'm going to get paid for sure, and I'm not going to have to argue, and that's the number, that's the real number? Yeah, okay. Um, so it's not like hospitals can't do this. It's not, uh, they've got a whole mechanism for cash. If you want to, you know, if you want, if you're having trouble finding a specialist, you know, for your grandma who's got neurological problems, and and you just can't find a specialist, you can't find one in network, uh, they they can't fit you in the the schedule. Just call and say, hey, what what if I was paying cash? Just try and, and watch. Um, usually they're going to go, oh, we'll, we'll get you in tomorrow. Um, so, you know, cash is still king in this in this, uh, in this this country, and you can still get things done with cash. And I think, um, you know, the direct primary care model, the concierge medicine model, um, this, this scenario where you're just paying basically a subscription cost to a doctor who's committed to, to caring for 90% of your your health issues from cradle to grave um, that's a wonderful solution I think for most of us I think if you add if you have that plus um, some catastrophic um, coverage you know for for if you get in an accident or or have cancer or something major um, I think those if you put those two things together most Americans are in really great shape and have and have a much higher quality of care from a provider. So just to, you know, I'm on a soapbox here. I, I'm sorry. This is, it's hard to stop once I get going. Um, but if, if you were to, 
if you were to be a family practice physician today, um, graduating with a bazillion dollars in debt, um, you're going to make 200 grand maybe as a family practice doctor. That's kind of the average. Um, and to make 200 grand a year, um, you're going to need to see about 2,000 patients. You're going to need to have a patient panel of about 2,000 patients. Uh, if you do the math, you know, the number of times a year that those people go go in for checkups and and um, and and all of that, you know, the well check, just just if you just math it out, you're, you're looking at a, a typical family practice doctor seeing easily 30 or 40 patients a day. Just do the math on that, uh, how much time you have to spend with each of those patients if you're seeing 30 or 40 a day and 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 uh the paperwork don't forget the paperwork there's a mountain of paperwork that that physician has to complete on each and every one of those visits so it's a it's it's a you're not getting quality care i mean i love physicians and i think 99 percent of them have uh have wonderful intentions and want to do good uh want to help their patients but it's but but come on i mean you can't you can't provide the kind of care that that most people need. I mean, when you got somebody with a weird chronic issue, um, yeah, there's a reason why uh, most of what happens at a at a um, at a family practice is, or primary care practices, you know, test, prescribe, test, prescribe. You know, it's just let's just test your blood. You got high cholesterol. We're sending you home with we're sending you home with a prescription for for a statin. Uh, yeah, you're you're wildly overweight and uh, you're depressed. And uh, and um, you're going to kill yourself um, one way or another. Uh, but we're just going to address you know we're just going to address this with some pills. Um, you know this is you know or, or sure your kids got weird symptoms that keep coming back. We'll just keep throwing antibiotics at it, and and I'm sure eventually. Or if it if it does seem like something's outside of my realm, I'm just going to refer you. We're just going to do this referral thing. Everyone's a specialist. Let's just refer people. And, uh, and we'll just send you on this wild goose chase, and it's off my, you know, it's, it's out of my hands. That's not what a physician wants to do. That's not what a physician, uh, most who have gone into it, want to actually get to the bottom of things and, and do the research and help the patient. But you don't have time for that. If you have 30 or 40 patients a day, you just don't have time for that. Um, the system was not built for that. Um, and so, again, a primary, a direct primary care doc can make the same $200,000 a year with like two to 300 patients. Um, so again, do the math. Um, and by the way, you know, they don't, they don't make any more money from you coming into the office and having a visit. So it's actually in their best interest to try to fix you, address your problem as quickly as they can, as effectively as they can. And if that means just driving over to the house, if that means having a phone call or a text chat or an email thread, that's what they're going to do. Right. Um, so I do think, like those two things to me, or those couple of things, you know, um, are some really great alternative structures, alternative models, um, alternative kind of ecosystems. Uh, they're not really quite ecosystems yet, but you can see how there's some overlap, you know, um, where we can kind of tie these things together and create a solution that's going to work for most of us. Um, I just want to see so much more, you know, I just want to see so much more of this. I want to see it all over the country. The Free Market Medical Association, again, that these guys in Oklahoma started, um, um, Keith Smith and uh, and his partners there, um, you know, is, is a wonderful step in the right direction. Um, 
and I, I really uh, I really think that it's time. I think that I think this um, I think this healthcare system is kind of on its last legs. It's just kind of limping along, and it's going to collapse under the weight of its of of the bureaucracy and the red tape and the and all of the greedy players that 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 have made this thing into uh, a, just a, a a cesspool and a mess. Um, so I say all that as somebody who makes a living in the healthcare industry. Um, you know, we operate. My company operates really outside of a lot of the standard stuff. I mean, we 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 operate in basically a cash kind of model where our physicians go and and fill in um, either part time or sometimes full time um, at hospitals that need help, and they're just paid an hourly rate for the work they do. So they're not they're not involved in the insurance side, um, and neither are we. That obviously is is behind the scenes. You know how the hospital is making money. Um, so it's not completely outside of it, but but one thing that we're excited about for our physicians is that they're they are they have kind of cut the cord from the corporate machine at some level. They they have the autonomy to kind of choose where they work and 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 kind of name the price that they're going to work for, and uh, and they usually have several irons in the fire. They have they have privileges and credentials at several hospitals, so they have the ability to kind of pick up and leave uh, when when they want to. If, if there's a scenario where hospitals ask them to do something they don't feel comfortable with or the, a, a, a practice environment that they don't think is safe um, for themselves or for the patients, they can just say, hey, I'm gonna vote with my feet, peace out. And I think that's a step in the right direction. I think physicians, um, what's happening is physicians are graduating from residencies with a mountain of debt. They're desperate for security, and they go work for the biggest company because that's the most secure, right? And that the that's obvious, right? They're huge. They've got really amazing benefits packages. They're, it's probably secure. Well, it's not secure. I mean, and 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 throughout COVID, I think uh, if you were paying attention, um, a lot of these huge companies had some pretty massive layoffs and canceled a lot of contracts with a lot of doctors. Um, you know, when, when a company goes bankrupt or, or a company and, and, you know, just do a little bit of Googling, you're going to find lots of stuff with a lot of these big companies where there's crazy lawsuits, crazy stuff going on. Um, a lot of these companies aren't going to be around in a couple of years because they're going to get shut down because of fraud. They're going to be, um, or, or they've gotten out ahead of their skis. They've, they've, they've gotten too creative with their financing and debt. And um, and there's a lot of these that are going to just close. And and I hope what it's going to leave is a lot of opportunities for a lot of um, hardworking, virtuous physicians and uh, entrepreneurs to jump in and um, and uh, start taking healthcare back and and operating more and more outside of the system because I think the system's hopelessly lost. And uh, and I think. And, but I think it's all fixable, you know. I think it's all fixable. Um, so I've got a lot of optimism about the future of healthcare, but I've also got a lot of cynicism and a lot of skepticism about where it is right now. And I'm happy to have a seat at the table, albeit a very, very small seat, kind of over maybe at the kids' table. Um, but I'm happy to have have a, an opportunity to to make a difference and be a part of it. And, uh, and I think we all have that opportunity just as, as patients, you know, we have an opportunity to say, hey, I, I don't like the way this works and, and I wanna try to do something different or I wanna ask my, my doctor, you know, hard questions or try to find um, 
um, better solutions for our, our healthcare needs as a family. And and I will say that, unfortunately, if you're just part of the system, like most of us are, um, you do need to kind of take, you need to be your own advocate and you need to kind of take your health and your family's health into your own hands because the system is not really set up right now um, to, to, to do a lot of preventative care. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stop, I'll try to stop this this recording now, but but this I'll, I'll give one last story. I talked to a physician. Actually, it was a it was a um, it was a nurse practitioner who was working as a hospitalist uh, during COVID, and and was observing that the protocols that they got from the government were not working, and that they were killing patients with the way that they were with the levels that they that they were using on the vents and uh, the treatments that they were putting people on because they were treating COVID like some crazy disease that it wasn't um and um and it wasn't until and they had seen a lot of patients come and 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 die and uh and uh and it wasn't until one of their colleagues came in sick and exhibiting all the same patterns that all these other patients had that they finally said we got to try something different we just keep killing these patients you know everyone that comes in with this and everyone that we manage this way dies and they even called there and, and and so they went ahead and and said hey let's just treat this like a normal respiratory respiratory um problem and 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 uh and not follow the government you know um protocols and lo and behold this this patient survived um they end up calling you know the the director of their system and saying hey uh i think we're doing this wrong and eventually a few weeks later the the director agreed and changed the protocol um but even then, you know, the, the the protocol nationwide was somebody comes in COVID positive and they're not dying and they don't need hospitalization, send them home. And don't send them home with, hey, here's the things you can do to manage this and get ahead of this and deal with it and prevent yourself from getting worse. It was just come back when you're about to die and then we'll put you, you know, then we'll, and then we'll make the big bucks. I hate to say that, but, but that's kind of the, the, Again, that's not how the physicians feel. The physicians are just doing what they're being told by their administration. Um, and their administration is terrified of breaking any rules of, of, of innovation. If you want to meet an innovative uh, leader, don't look at hospital CEOs and, um, and especially in big systems. That's not, that's not where you're going to find them. Uh, that that's the last thing that that they're look that that's the last question that's asked in an interview of a hospital executive is are you innovative um, that's not what they want they want a rule follower uh, they want an enforcer um, and and uh, it's about painting and thin the lines um, and so uh, anyway I'll stop this rant now but uh, but it's good uh, good to be back on here. I've been traveling for business, and it's just been a, a busy couple of weeks, so I haven't been on in a minute. But um, hope to uh, hope to get back on more regularly and record more of these uh, rants and raves. I hope that uh, this has been helpful and interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you're a physician out there listening to this, tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, you know, help me help me refine my understanding of how uh, how we can make healthcare better. But um, anyway. I, I enjoy uh, enjoyed uh, being on here and look forward to uh, the next video. Thanks for tuning in.